it saddens me when someone says, oh, I'm not an artist. I'm just a colorist. And it's like, do not say you are just a colorist. You are an artist and you are collaborating with another artist to make a piece of work. This is Karen Valentine, an inspiring colorist you might follow already under her name, Art by Karen Valentine, on Instagram and YouTube. I've worked for myself most of my adult life. So I've created a couple of different businesses kind of from scratch on my own. I did blog design for many years before I was in the vintage business. So now, you know, when I left the vintage business, And I was just kind of at home coloring and I was thinking, okay, I'm going to completely immerse myself into my YouTube channel, which I absolutely love. And the people that, that watch me and subscribe, they fill my heart with so much joy because they say the most wonderful things. And I feel like I'm doing something that is helping them in their coloring journey and helping it to make it more enjoyable because they're learning and they're getting better. And that really that fills me up that makes me very happy and then I discovered the pet portrait thing and so now I get to stay at home watch my grandbaby make videos and make pet portraits so life is pretty good life is pretty good welcome back to passionista colorista coloring book podcast Today with Karen Valentine, a creative soul who found the coloring book passion some years ago and who also started to draw pet portraits earlier this year. This interview was made in June, so this is based on Karen Valentine's story up till then. I started out searching YouTube looking for hand lettering calligraphy things because I wanted to learn how to do that. And I just happened to come across some coloring videos, Chris Chang particularly, and I was mesmerized. I hadn't, I didn't even know that the world of coloring, adult coloring existed. So I was watching her do this video and it was like, oh my gosh, that is awesome. <laughs> so I started searching more and more and looking at other channels. And one thing led to another, to another, and it was like, all right, I'm I'm hooked. That's it. So I bought my first set of pencils and my first coloring books, which were, of course, the same coloring books that everybody started out with. Johanna Basford and Kirby Roseanne's, like everybody else had. And that led me somewhere else and then somewhere else. And then I discovered some coloring groups on Facebook and I joined those and I just couldn't get enough. I just I just watched and colored and bought probably way more art supplies than I needed, but I did. And I just love it. I don't know. It takes me to a place. I zone out like the world and all the garbage in the world and, and all of that just goes away and I can just color and it just puts me in a happy place. Is it a similar feeling that you had when you did your stuff earlier? You know, it's not. Um, I loved doing those things, but I had a tendency to have this been there, done that <laughs> mentality. So once I have created in the past something and I had done a few of them, I got bored and it was like, okay, time to move on to something else. And I would do that for a little while and I would move on. And I never found that thing that just sustained itself and, and, and made me want to not ever stop 
until I found the coloring and um, and, and art with with the colored pencils and and that stuff. And it just I'm I'm two years going at it strong to where I probably color. Well, I do color every single day. Um, even when I was working full time, I made sure that I had time to to sit down and do some coloring. Even then, it just I need it. I get cranky if I don't do some coloring every day. What do you think it is about the coloring in the books that is so magical that you just want to keep being there? Yeah, you start out with a blank, virtually a blank page. There's there's no color. It's devoid of color. It's devoid of of life, basically, because it's it's not like a heavily shaded, an actual drawing like it would be if somebody did like a you know a full on drawing with color pencil. It's it's mostly line art or shaded line art. So it's kind of flat, and then you start adding the color and the shading and the depth, and it it brings it alive, and it it turns it into something more than it was when it's when you started with it. And it's cool because it's like this collaboration between two artists. I've always felt that way. I don't it um, frustrating me is not the right word, but it saddens me when someone says, "Oh, I'm not an artist. I'm just a colorist." And it's like, do not say you are just a colorist. You are an artist and you are collaborating with another artist to make a piece of work. And it's cool because you can have the same page done by 10 different people and it will be beautiful and different every time from each one of those 10 people. It's just cool. But how important is the result for you? Well, <laughs> I Okay, so I tell people it's not about the finished product, it's about the journey, and I do believe that to to a, a large degree, but I'm very much of a perfectionist, and it's a blessing and a curse at times, because I do want the finished results to be the vision that I had in my head, and that doesn't always happen, and that's okay, because everything that you do, every page you do is a learning process and you learn what not to do or what to do on the next page. But yeah, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So the, the finished results is kind of important to me. <laughs> Still can enjoy the process. A hundred percent. Absolutely. The the process is the most important part, you know, but yeah, you want, you want a result that you can be proud of in the end. I mean, I think everybody feels that way, that you want something that you feel like, okay, all that time that I spent on this paid off because look what I did. It's really cool. And if you are unhappy with it, then you tuck it away. Don't throw them away because looking back on your previous work a year later is really cool because you can look and go, wow, look at how far I've come in that year. But it's okay to not love every single page because every single page is a again is a learning process. Have the way your color changed since you started? Yes, I'm learning to layer better. I'm learning to add colors that I would not have thought to add in the beginning. For example, when you're coloring, let's say you're coloring an, a white animal. I'm just going to pick that out. So if you're coloring a white animal, white animals are not white. There's so many other colors other than white in that fur. And so right now, for me, I'm learning a lot more about color and how colors reflect the, the surroundings. A white or black would reflect the colors in the surroundings. And you learn that by watching. I learn most of what I learn by watching other artists and colorists do what they do best. So you hang out on YouTube? 
I like to watch YouTube. I like to watch, um, I subscribe to a lot of artists on Patreon. There's some great Patreon colorists and artists there as well. And even pictures, even static pictures. When I was learning how to do portraits as I, and I'm still learning. It's I'm, I still um, am constantly learning and hopefully improving, but I learn a lot by looking at, at photos on like Pinterest. If you look at a portrait um, whether it be a photograph or an artist's rendering of a portrait, you can learn a lot just by studying the portrait and studying where the shadows fall on the face, how they laid color in, unusual colors. That's something that I'm not very good at and, and want to improve upon is using different unusual colors in, for example, a portrait to get a beautiful result. When you have this uncolored page in front of you, how do you start I will usually start with the object that I know I want a particular color to be. If it's a portrait, I almost always start with the skin. And that developed because I wasn't very good at skin in the beginning. And so in my head, if I start with the hardest thing on the page, if I muck it up, then I haven't done the whole page and then gotten to the part that I'm not sure about and then ruined it. So I always start with this element on the page that... I'm most worried about messing up. And then I start with the elements that I know I want to be a certain color. So if there's a coloring page and it's full of flowers and there are some daffodils on that page, I know that I want those daffodils to be a certain color. So I might go through Google and look for daffodils and there's a variety of colors of daffodils. They range from very yellow to yellow orange and all these different colors. So I'll find a one that appeals to me, and I will do that flower in those colors. And then the next step is, are there any other elements on that page that need to be a certain color? Because I do tend to color in um, with realism. I like things to look the way they do in reality. And so I will go to the next element like that particular flower has to be that color. So I will color it in that color. And then once I have the elements down that I know need to be the way they are, at that point, I pull out my color swatch charts because I could not be without my charts. And I tend to use very large swatches because I want to see the colors very well and very clear. And then I kind of go, all right, what colors are going to look best with what I've laid down on this page so far? And so it's purples look really beautiful with yellows. And so I might go, oh, well, let's do these flowers here in these purple colors. So I will do them in purple. And now the page starts to evolve. These purple flowers and these yellow flowers and what colors are going to go with what I laid on the page now. And I just keep building like that, picking my colors that are going to go with what's already been laid down on the page. And the, when do you know that a page is finished? Um A page is finished when either I can't lay any more color down on it or I look at it and I feel happy and content because I do tend to fiddle a lot after the page is finished, especially like when I'm filming for my YouTube channel. I will finish the page and I'll look at it and I will say, okay, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye. And then the camera gets shut off and then I look at it and go, oh, it needs more here and it needs a little bit of this here and I'll just fiddle with it because uh, that's just what I do. And I just keep adding and playing and fiddling until I finally say, all right, enough is enough. And I say it's done. Sometimes I'll 
photograph a page getting ready to post it online. And when I look at the photo, I see things in the photo that I want to fix that I don't see when I'm looking at the actual page. So then I will go back into my studio and I will fix the things that I noticed in the photograph and then I'll photograph it again. That's amazing because I, I have realized that I tend to post it on Instagram and then when I look at it on Instagram, I can see the flaws and want to fix. But then I'm too lazy. I'm just, okay, I just leave it. <laughs> I'm not a perfectionist, unfortunately. No, that's not that's not a bad thing. There are a lot of times in my life when I've said, I, I really, really wish that I was not that way. But I am. So we are what we are. And, you know, it's okay either way. <laughs> you have swatches for everything all your materials i do everything everything in the spray ring binder they're all in little 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 plastic sheets and then i can either just take the sheet out or whatever if i if i feel like i need to but they're very easy to find because they're all kind of categorized by wax base oil base water base um, I just got a set of pastel pencils, so those are swatched and in there now. And so, yeah, that is like a tool. Like people have asked, what tool could you not do without in coloring? And I would have to say it's my swatch chart. Do you also write down uh, uh, color combos you like or things like that? I tend not to do that. In the beginning, I wrote down a lot of skin color combos because I was You know, it was new and I really, really enjoyed doing portraits. Probably surprising to me. It was the most surprising thing to me how much I liked to do portraits. So I wrote some of those skin color combos down at first. Then you kind of get after a while where you kind of feel like you know what you're doing and you don't have to stick with the same combos all the time. Although sometimes I do. Sometimes it's just you just want to color. So you just kind of do what is remotely in your brain to do. Hair color combos I write down sometimes. I have a list of hair color combos that I liked. But as far as like a favorite purple and pink combo to do flowers with and stuff like that, no, I don't I don't write any of those down. I just kind of go with it as I'm as I'm doing the page. Do you color in the books anymore or on printed papers? I prefer to do PDFs on my own paper because I don't like fighting with paper. There are some books that have wonderful paper that I love to color in. All of Linda Ravenscroft's books, I color right in the book because that paper is so fantastic. There are some books where I love the art, but I hate the paper. So a lot of the times I might even scan that page and then print it on my own paper. But there are so many artists that I've grown to love that are on Etsy that I, I do tend to to do PDFs more than in books. And I know I know you have tested a lot of different papers. Which one favorite? Right now, my current favorite is, um, it seems like, and it makes me sad because I'm hearing that it's almost only available in the United States. It's by Nina. It is Nina Environment Desert Storm. It's a tan cardstock. It's smooth because I, I do not like extremely toothy papers. But it's not so smooth that it won't take quite a lot of layering. So that's my favorite right now. My favorite white is Spring Hill Digital. I think it's a 90-pound paper. It's nice because it has enough tooth to get layers with, but it's still smooth. How do you choose if you're going to use a white paper or a tanned paper? 
they both have their pluses. What I love about white paper is the colors are so bright. If you're going to do a background with water media or sheer colors, they look very beautiful on white paper. When you work on, on a, a color paper, on a tan paper, your colors tend to mute down. It kind of gives it a more vintagey look, which is okay with me because that's kind of my style. I don't mind my colors being a little more muted, but the light colors pop. The light colors on a tan cardstock um, show up so much better. And you can work from dark to light on a tan cardstock. So if I lay some darker colors down and then I, and I want to add highlights on top of that, I can very easily. Whereas with white paper, you have to remember to preserve those white highlights because a white pencil, even a Prismacolor white pencil, which is my favorite white pencil, does not do a great job of showing up white on top of dark colors. So there's pros and cons, but me personally, once I discovered the tan paper, I have a hard time going back to white because I, I, that's just the way my brain thinks. It, it's hard for me to think in negative space, meaning it's hard for me to remember don't color this area and that area and this area because you need it to stay white. I can never remember that either. So I always have to go on top with white Posca or gel pen or something if I want to lighten it up. Do you ever use those kind of highlights, medium? I, I do. Um, I use them mostly for the highlights in the eyes. And if I need something very white, maybe a small area, or like you said, if you've, if you've colored something in, then you change your mind and you wanted it to be white, that works well. There's some other products that work really well for covering colored pencil and making it white and being able to color on top of it. Because that's the mm -hmm. hardest thing about the Posca and the gel pen is that you can't color on top of it. I marvel at the people who can color lines in coloring books with white Posca pen and then I have know. it be this gorgeous thing. I cannot do that. I could not do that. But there are some cool products by, like Brush and Pencil makes a really cool combination of titanium white powder and the liquid that goes with it. It's, it's called um, Colored Pencil Touch-Up Texture. If you've made a mistake, you just brush it on on top of mistake and let it dry. And then it allows you to actually color with another color on top of it and change the color. And if you mix it with the, the titanium white powder, then you have a white paste, a white liquidy, you don't want it to be too thick, something that you can paint on and use that for adding highlights or, or changing, making, fixing mistakes. That's what I'm trying to say. Do you uh, complete every page you start? Um, unless I completely mess it up so badly that I just cannot fix it, then yes, I complete every page I start. Sometimes you experiment. Yeah. You know, you have to experiment occasionally. You have to not be afraid to make mistakes because then you'll never grow and learn and get better. But sometimes my experiments turn into big yucky disasters and then it's like, oh, nope, I'm done with that. And it gets torn up and thrown in the garbage. But I learned something in that process. So.
How did this pet portrait thing started for you? I was doing a tutorial on my YouTube channel with one of Mariola Budek's beautiful pages. It was called She Wolf. And it had a beautiful woman in it and a wolf. So I had already done a few animals in my coloring pages. So I thought, okay, well, this will be good. We'll tackle this wolf. And I did it. And this was during one of the live stream videos that I did for an event. And while I was doing it or near the end of when I was doing it, somebody had said to me, do you do pet portraits or do you do dog portraits? And I, and I said, no, <laughs> like, like I could never do that. What are you talking about? I said, I can color a coloring page, but I can't draw an animal. So that stuck with me in my head. I was thinking, well, maybe I can. Maybe I should try. So I pulled out some pictures of my own dog. And I had heard about, because I can't draw. I will tell you right now, I cannot draw. What? So I cannot draw. Like if you said to me, here's a pencil and a piece of paper, and this is all you gave me, and you said, draw a dog, it would look like a third grader drew it. <laughs> However, I can look at something and you like there so it's called the grid method. And basically what I did was I took my I took the photo of my dog and I put it on my computer and I, I put a grid every two inches on this picture. So I knew that I wanted to do the picture in like an eight by 10 size. So every two inches, there was a grid line. And then vertically, there every two inches, there was a grid line. So now I have that on my iPad. And I had my paper where I drew the grid line as well. So now instead of me having to try and draw this dog just by looking at it, and now I only have to draw a two inch square, basically. So... Mm -hmm. As I'm, I'm looking now, I can go, okay, well, this line in this square goes here, and then in this square, it's over here. And so by the time I was done, I had a basic line drawing of my dog on the paper, and the proportions were right because I had used this grid method, and it was like, wow, that, that kind of looks like my dog. Wow. And then at that point, it's just a coloring page. At that point, it becomes a coloring page to me. So when I did it, it was like... I literally was in shock when I finished doing the first one and I'm still in shock. But when I did the first one, I was looking at it and I said, Oh my God, that looks like my dog. And I did that. So then I did it again with my Pembroke Welsh Corgi. And when I did the line art at first, I didn't think that it was going to work. I thought, okay, well the first one was a fluke and it's not going to look like her. But then I did the eyes. And when I colored her eyes, she was looking at me. She was looking back at me and it was like, oh my God, that is my dog. And she's not been with me for a couple of years now. So it was really amazing to see her eyes on the page. And I kept going and it looked like her when I was finished. So then I did it again. And it was like, oh my gosh, I think I can do this. So I just started doing it and posting pictures. I have seen them and they look amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It's still a shock to me. <laughs> I haven't quite come to terms with the fact that I can actually do that, but I'm glad that I can. And it's really cool. And I love it because I'm a huge dog lover. Cats too, but I, I love dogs, but animals in general. So it was like, this could be a 
career that is going to combine two things that I adore, the animals and the coloring. So I'm pretty excited about where that particular thing might might take me in the future. It's pretty cool. How long time does it take to for you to do a pet portraits? Uh, um, I would say anywhere between 10 to 12 hours right now. And have you put your dogs up on the wall? Um, my my own particular um, dogs are framed and they're on my fireplace. So yes, <laughs> they Great. are. They are they're right there. And the ones that I've done for the people who have very kindly asked me to do one for them have been photographed for my own purposes and then sent off to them for them to frame and put in their house. So what are your best tips for drawing and coloring fur? I think the most important thing is to really pay attention to your reference photo and to make sure that the fur strokes are going in the right direction, because that's going to add the, to the realism of the picture. And that applies with whether you're doing a coloring page or your own art. Um, you want to make sure that the, that the hair is going in the right direction and that your pencil strokes on short hair remain very short and on long hair, your strokes then will be longer. And that, that will also help to add to the realism in your coloring of fur. Do you start with the light colors or the dark colors? It depends on the paper that I'm using. So again, if you're using a dark paper, you can work dark to light. If you're working on a light paper, you pretty much need to work light to dark. So it just kind of depends on, on the paper and how toothy the paper is, you know, because if you're working with a not very toothy paper, you really have to plan out where your shadows and highlights and everything go because you don't have as much flexibility with adding a gazillion layers in order to get that depth. Is doing fur similar to doing hair? It's very similar. Yes. Very, very similar. Except with fur, generally your strokes are a lot shorter because the fur is shorter hairs as opposed to most colored pages where the women all have really long, beautiful, luxurious hair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do I, I noticed that you used the Carandach blender, at least in some videos I saw. Do you still use that? I love that blender. That is the best blender in the history of blenders, especially when I use it with my Prismacolors. But it works with any brand of pencil. It's not necessarily as wonderful when you're blending in a teeny tiny little area. The Prismacolor colorless blender works best for tiny little areas because you can get it to such a nice sharp point mm. but the Caradash full blender blends hair and skin and really anything just like a dream it's a beautiful beautiful blender i don't like to use mineral spirits or any kind of fluid blender generally so this um Caradash blender works great i have recently fallen in love with a medium that I have seen that you have used for quite a long time and you also see enjoy very much and it's this gel crayons yes 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 they are so creamy and lovely especially for backgrounds they are what I love about the gelatos and any um, gel stick like that in fact I just got a set of King Art gel sticks which kind of do the same thing and they're a little bit more reasonable than the gelatos but what I love about them is they don't have to be used wet I use mine dry 
with a short bristle stencil brush. So you get this beautiful blended background where the colors, if you wanted them to, especially like on a white piece of paper, you have your color around your main subject of the coloring page. And then the, the colors can just blend away to white. And it's just so effortlessly easy to achieve that gradient blend with the gelatos, as opposed to if you were using colored pencils, when you would have to very, very deliberately have firmer pressure near the subject and then work your way out, work that blend out to nothing. That's a very challenging thing to do with colored pencils. But with the gel crayons, it's so easy. I was so inspired by your video when I saw you were using these, was it brushes for stamps? Yes, they're stencil brushes, but they're not your typical, like most stencil brushes have fairly long bristles. And that really won't work very well with this particular media. But there are some short bristle stencil brushes that you can get. They're very short, so they don't compress when you press down on the paper. And so you can get a good swirly motion going and press those gelatos into the paper without the brushes kind of buckling underneath the, the pressure of, um, of your hand, <laughs> pushing down on the paper. There's also some brushes. I know a lot of people if with gelatos are also using, I don't know how to describe them. They're very soft, but they're very dense blending brushes. A lot of people use them for distress inks. Mm-hmm. But the bristles on them are short and super dense, even though they're much softer than the short bristle stencil brushes. Those also could work. And I also was telling somebody, because they couldn't get the short bristle stencil brushes, to use a toothbrush. So if you can find a firm toothbrush, you don't want it to be too soft. You want like the firm and you want the ones like the old fashioned ones that don't have any any waves in them. You know, they're just a flat, basic toothbrush. That would also work with gelatos. So I saw you you used to stick on a palette. Yes, I used the Carandash palette that a lot of people use for their neo colors. It's got some texture to it, so it it grips the pigment from the crayon, and then you just swirl it right on um, with your brush, and then go straight to your paper. But you could probably use like a a plastic cutting mat, you know, like for the kitchen, if because um, those seem to have a little bit of a texture to them as well. I think. Like a super shiny glass one might not work as well, but it, it might. But I think you could you could use a cutting mat of some kind, and that would work okay too. I just used my finger so far. Oh well, there you go. No, that works too. If you want to use your <laughs> finger, whatever works for you. That's what I say. Do whatever works. And I think the gel crayons work really well together with Prismacolor, who might be the most creamy and soft colored pencil. Do you agree? Yes, they work together great. I do that quite a bit. And there's so many colors in Prismacolor that I rarely have a problem finding a Prismacolor pencil that will match the color of the gelatos that I've done in the background so I can get in there into those teeny tiny little areas with the pencil. And the Prismacolors work great on top of gelatos too. So once they've had a few minutes to kind of dry, not that they're really wet, but there is some moisture in them. That's what makes them creamy. But once they've had a chance to dry for a couple of minutes, you can use Prismacolors and probably other brands of pencils, too, right on top of them and build up your color that way as well. Do they work doing gradients with mixing different colors on top of each other? Yes, they work great because they're somewhat translucent. Some are more opaque than others, but 
for the most part, gelatos are still a bit translucent. And so doing gradients is very easy because you're when you layer one color over the top of another, they kind of blend into each other and, and give you a, a really pretty effect. Do you have any other medium that you use for backgrounds? Well, the neo colors are great for backgrounds. I like them quite a lot. The problem with water media is your paper has to be a fairly heavy paper to hold up unless you're willing to just deal with it getting all kind of buckly. What else do I like for backgrounds? Um, distressings are very nice and distressed crayons. They're kind of along the same line as the gelatos, the, just, the distressed crayons are. But the distress inks are really beautiful to use as well. How do you use them on backgrounds? Basically the same way, only instead of using the short bristle stencil brushes, I use like a blender brush. They kind of look like makeup brushes. They're very dense and they usually come in packs of like 20 different sizes of brushes. I think if you just like search for blending brushes or distress ink blending brushes, I bet you you could find them. I know you also have these super exclusive soft pastels. Yes, pen pastels. Pen pastels are great for backgrounds too. And also for other things as well. But as far as like, since we were talking about backgrounds, yes, they're wonderful for backgrounds as well. I really, really like those a lot. I use them a lot in my pet portraits. For backgrounds or for the animals? For backgrounds and also for underpainting. You can use the pen pastels to get some color down on the page and kind of fill in some of the tooth if you're using a toothy paper or to help you get color more quickly down on the page. And then your pencils and things like that can go right on top. And they do beautiful portraits too. Pan pastels do beautiful portraits as well. Another thing that looks amazing is your studio. You have a video on your channel. I probably spend 80% of my day in my studio. I understand that. I'm very lucky. I'm very, 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 very lucky. It's got all my supplies. And when I was doing the vintage business, it was full of a lot of the things that I needed to make crafts and make things that I was selling. And then when I was when I left that industry, I did a total makeover overhaul in my studio and put all of my coloring supplies on the big bookcase right behind me and in some of the other places that I have all around. So it makes it really easy for me to find everything that I want very quickly. Um, this was my son's room when he was growing up. And then when he moved out, it was like, woohoo, I have my own room now. So. <laughs> so now it's your creative heaven. Do you still do the other crafts, crafting things? The other things that I've made are kind of around my room to remind me of those times and those things that I've made before. I taught classes doing that stuff. And I even have some tutorials online to teach people how to do that stuff. But my love and my passion right now is just focused on the, um, I say colored pencils, even though there's other things that I use, but predominantly colored pencil works. It makes me happy. There's a precision involved with colored pencils that I don't get. I mean, like people who do watercolor, I love looking at a beautiful watercolor. I'm terrible at it because you have to let go of some control. And I'm not good at that. I like the precision of being able to put my color down specifically where I want it with the point of the color pencil. They've turned out to be a good media for me. You said earlier that your color swatches are your best coloring tool. What else tools do you use? Um, well, like I said, the Caran Dash Blender is one of my favorite tools. A good pencil sharpener. 
I find very important. And it's, I'm always fascinated at how coloring tools and coloring pencils are so subjective. Everybody is so very strong, feels so very strongly about the things that they use. I need an electric pencil sharpener because I do not want to take the time as I'm coloring to stop, put my hand on the crank pencil sharpener or the handheld sharpener, sharpen my pencil. I want to be able to just reach over, <laughs> stick my pencil down in the top of the sharpener, let it do its thing, and then pull it out and keep going. So which one do you use? I just got this one by Acmat, and it has a, a dial that you can adjust the point of the pencil. So it, you can either get a really short lead on your pencil or all the way up to a very long lead on your pencil. And it also adjusts to very, very large. It goes from six to 12 millimeter hmm. in pencil size. So it will take your biggest pencils that are out there and it sharpens them beautifully. So that's my new favorite sharpener. And let's see, what else? I really like my a mat. I color on a cutting mat. Hmm. And it's interesting because when I was swatching some pencils last week, I was swatching them on a clipboard because I wasn't in my studio. And I noticed a difference in the way that the pencils felt on the paper when I was using them on a very hard surface, like a piece of glass or a clipboard, as opposed to the sort of give that a cutting mat gives you. So I really like using my cutting mat very, very much. And something more? I have a also by Acmat, interestingly enough, a good electric eraser. And it, it has two different things that you can stick in the end. One is a kind of a large, regular size round eraser. And then it also comes with a micro eraser. So a little teeny, teeny, tiny one that you can put in there too, for like the tiny detail work. Those are really nice. And I use that quite a bit as well. I have also noticed when I watched your videos on YouTube that you talk a lot about the black Spirerfarben pencil. Oh, yes. I don't know what it is about this pencil, but I have fallen in love with it. And I ordered them like, you know, 12 at a time. Something. Um, the thing that I like about it is it's a warm black. So the Prismacolor black is a very cool black. All the other blacks that I've ever encountered, except for polychromos, which is probably the closest to the Spirofarben black that I have found, um, it holds its point and it's hard and it just, it's just a beautiful pencil. I don't know how to explain why I like it so much, but I have one of these pencils in every one of my pencil cases. So I use the Spirofarben black with my luminance, with my Pablos. It's like, All the other black pencils are neglected and the um, Spirofarben black <laughs> is the one that I use more often than any. Before you'll get Karen's best coloring tips, I just wanted to thank all of my former patrons. Thank you for all of your lovely support during all these years. I cancelled my Patreon program earlier this year as I felt so bad for you supporting me financially when I do so few episodes these days. This doesn't mean that I will cancel the podcast altogether, but I will just do episodes from time to time when I have the energy, motivation and, of course, time. As many of you already know, I have a full-time job and a family to take care of, and I need a lot of rest as well. 
but I still hope to be able to post some inspiring episodes now and then. Actually, this episode is not the only one with the lovely Karen Valentine. As I said in the beginning, this chat was done in June, and as much have changed in Karen's art life since then, I did a second chat with her this October, and that is another episode you can listen to. I have also interviewed the illustrator Millie Marotta, who just released a new coloring book, and I will edit it and upload it soon as well. Now back to Karen and her best coloring tips. Okay, so this is a tip that is probably controversial because there are people that are going to tell me that I'm completely wrong, and that's okay. But my personal coloring tip would be start with the best pencils that you can afford because the cheaper pencils, they do not have as much pigment in them as the higher end pencils. So I would say start with the best that you can afford. If you can only afford, I don't want to diss Crayola. That's not what I'm trying to do. But if you can only afford a certain brand, then that's fine and go with it and do it. But if you can wait and you can try and work your way up as best you can, I believe that you will be happier with your finished results because it's human nature to go and look at other people's work and compare your work to other people's. We try not to. It's not a good idea. They say comparison is the thief of joy. And that really is true. But when you are coloring with a pencil that does not have any pigment in it, you're going to always be dissatisfied when you look at a coloring page that's been colored with a pencil that does have a lot of pigment in it. And you're always going to be wondering, why aren't my pages like that? Why can't I achieve that look? And it's most likely not your skill, but your tools. So I'm not saying that you cannot get a beautiful coloring page with budget-friendly pencils. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that if you were to swatch a budget-friendly pencil next to a higher-end pencil, your color depth is going to be very obvious if they're swatched side by side. So I guess I would say try not to compare yourself to other people because you're just starting out and you're going to get better the more you color and, and start with the best pencil that you can afford. What does the coloring community means to you? Oh my gosh. The coloring community <laughs> is full of some of the sweetest, nicest, best people that I have ever met. And during this time of everyone's lives when we were all kind of confined at home and not doing much socializing for me I would have been lost and struggling without the people of the coloring community without being able to have that camaraderie without having that shared passion where you could share what you were doing and comment on what other people were doing and you just build these friendships and it's so nice to have a bunch of people that get you <laughs> because I don't have people in my real life who understand what adult coloring is. You know, they look at me like, what? <laughs> like you're coloring other people's work. It's like, yes, but it's more than that. It's so much more than that. And they just, they don't get it. So it's really, it's wonderful to have a bunch of friends who get you and who you understand you get and you can share this love and it's pretty cool 
So when you wake up in the morning, are you running to your art studio or? <laughs> I, oh my gosh! How did you know? <laughs> so I get up in the morning and I do a quick check through, you know, some social media, and then I get out of bed. I make my breakfast, and the breakfast comes with me into my art studio. <laughs> sit at my table and I eat my breakfast and I pull out things and I start working <laughs> on pages sometimes even before I've finished my breakfast. <laughs> It's wonderful to hear that you are enjoying it so much that you really like your life so much right now. It's fun to have a, something that I'm so um, passionate about doing and and have friends to share it with. So yeah, it's all good. Thank you so much for joining the this uh, podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been so much fun. Yeah, it has been. And thank you everyone who has been listening and bye. Bye everybody. <laughs>